0: You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated, professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. I'm very excited to talk today to Dr. Richard Mann, uh, CEO of Realm Labs. He's a podiatric physician and surgeon who specializes in nerve diseases of the feet and legs. He also has uh, a great interest in the potential for nutritional therapies to improve the lot of his patients uh, and is the author of a fascinating new paper on the potential for a form of vitamin B1 called benfotiamine uh, to potentially have an impact on the progression of ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, a.k.a. Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, so tell us about this. Is Now, just a caveat. This is not a you know, double-blind placebo-controlled study of uh, hundreds or scores of patients. Uh, this is a case report. Now, the problem with case reports is that it's a one-off. So we can say, well, you know, that's not the highest level of evidence. But it is an opportunity to explore the potential for something, for a condition for which we have very little to offer. And so tell us a little bit about uh, this N of 1 study. Uh, there's a gentleman. Well,
1: that's, a, that's, a, that's exactly right. It's one patient who claimed that after taking benfotemine, uh, it was given to him, uh, suggested by his brother, who's a physician. He claims significant improvement in fatigue, and um, uh, that's been going on for about four months now, and I wrote a paper on it, um, but I don't want to give anybody the an impression that this is a treatment for uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or anything else. We're, we're talking about the uh, the science here we're not talking about anything specifically with respect to treatment for patients, and as I said before, um, you should speak to your physician about this. But in in researching the correlation between amyotrophic lateral sclerosis and vitamin B one, there's this uh, literature that indicates that there may be vitamin B one issues associated or metabolism issues associated. Mm-hmm with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. And if that's the case, then it certainly would warrant a uh, double-blind placebo study with a large number of patients uh, to reach statistical significance. That sort of thing is going on with Alzheimer's now. There were three papers that were written that showed that benfotiamine had a positive effect on patients with Alzheimer's. I think there were 40 patients in the literature that are described as having having some improvement but it didn't reach statistical significance so you can't say that benfotiamine mm-hmm. helps people with alzheimer's or helps people with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis was, you can just say trend, that it's very it it interesting was from the what study we've observed in the, the literature big enough right exactly this this is not a double blind placebo study, which is the well, the gold standard in in science to say whether something works or not. Mm-hmm. so I was uh, made aware of this gentleman doing better, and as a result, I wrote a paper. Because there was a lot of stuff in the, in the scientific literature that indicated a correlation or some uh, between vitamin B1 uh, deficiency and or metabol- uh, uh, impaired metabolism, and, and multiple neurodegenerative diseases. So it, you can think of it like a, a very, very focal or specific berry in certain neurons that might be what's going on, and that's what needs to be investigated
0: so uh why not just use a lot of thiamine you know it sounds like that researcher in italy started with thiamine did, did he eventually switch over to to benfotiamine? why is it no
1: better? no 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 he didn't he started with uh uh injectable thiamine okay and then he went to regular thiamine and 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 he found uh he found it to be extraordinarily safe so mm-hmm. it, it's and you know, as, as the fates would have it, the gentleman died of uh, COVID in, a, in an Italian hospital in nineteen uh, in twenty nineteen. Hmm. So that that work was uh, relatively uh, re- retarded uh, with respect to its progression, right. uh, unfortunately. But there's a lot of literature out there, so so it looks as though it's it's. Um, there may be more favorable forms of vitamin B1, mm-hmm. but it looks no so responds to other forms of vitamin B1 as well. So, as so I said, why there's a, benfotiamine? Very what's the
0: advantage of benfotiamine over uh, ordinary thiamine? Because thiamine pretty cheap. Uh, why is benfotiamine potentially more beneficial for the nerves?
1: Um there are some uh, thoughts that benfotiamine has a lipid soluble a lipid soluble form. When it gets mm-hmm. into the blood, it may penetrate the myelin sheaths more effectively because there's some lipid solubility. Uh, not all of it is converted into regular thiamine, but that's all speculation. Okay. In, in my opinion, I think that the the major player here is the high levels of thiamine that are reached with benfotiamine. Uh, which can be reached also with injections and by taking these very very high levels of uh, vitamin B one sure. uh, naturally occurring B one. Also, from a um, from a um, an expense perspective, if you're going to take high very very high levels of vitamin B one like that, the expense with benfotiamine is about the same. They are all extremely safe, mm-hmm. which is the, the hallmark here. No, there's no issues at all with respect to. Uh, too much Benfo that, that are in the literature, and I've been selling it for the past uh, seventeen years and, and there's just nothing out there that well, would negative feedback. There's also
0: Dr. Mann, there's also a, a form of thiamine I believe called Ali Uh How does that differ from benfo and is there any research suggesting that that's a good form because it's sold as a over-the-counter supplement.
1: Yeah, allicin is um, derived from I uh, think garlics and onions, mm-hmm. and, and or scallions, etc. It's also a lipid soluble form of uh, vitamin B one. It's uh, much less studied than benfotiamine. Um, it's it's used. I I, I suspect in... Very, 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 very much less than benfotemine. Benfotiamine, we have a lot of experience with. There are other forms of, of uh, thiamine, lipid soluble thiamine out there in addition to benfotiamine, But benfotiamine, I believe, is, is the best studied and, and the most often used.
0: So how much of this stuff uh, is necessary to take? I mean, you have to take like a whole bottleful of this stuff to get the benefits uh, you know, and let's, let for the moment put aside you know ALS because I think it's kind of speculative uh, or, or Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's, but your experience with patients who have uh, problems with pain, numbness, tingling, nerve sensations in their in their feet. Uh, how much of the uh, allithi- I'm sorry, of the uh, benfotiamine, the zobria product do they need to take to, and for what duration, uh, how, does, how is it administered?
1: Well, you have to realize what we're doing is we're reversing a vitamin B one deficiency. So mm-hmm. there's two phases here. The first phase is to reverse the deficiency, and we do that by giving uh, 300 milligrams twice a day. And after uh, three to four weeks, it's rather remarkable you get the benefits, and that's because that's how long it takes to restore the, the vitamin B one levels in one capsule. And that's three much? or four what's, weeks.
0: What, what is it? How, what's the three
1: 300 milligrams twice a day.
0: So each capsule is 300 milligrams?
1: Well, you yeah, the, the stuff we make is 150 milligrams Okay, capsule. so, it's four, so it's that's two four. Two capsules a twice a day.
0: Four, okay.
1: That's two capsules twice a day. Okay. And then after a month, you generally get an uh, improvement in the numbness, tingling, burning, or shooting pains in the feet and legs. At that point, we drop it down to two capsules a day or 300 milligrams a day. And the um, we don't lose in general any of the efficacy at that point. The logic being not to give more than the patient needs. So it's just there's no reason for it from a therapeutic perspective. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so so you wrote this article in a you know in a uh, respectable but you know rather niche uh, medical journal. It was peer reviewed, which is which is always good because it's not you know like you know some of these journals are you know you you pays your money and they publish your study, but Without any kind of critical review, so they reviewed it and they said, "Yeah, this is you know reasonable. Let's put up this hypothesis." Uh, and have you gotten a lot of traction on it? Because I would imagine that, well, some people uh, in the general public or you know maybe in the field of neurology uh, should be taking a look at it and maybe corresponding with you and maybe saying, "Hey, uh, is it creating a buzz?"
1: Well, thank you so much. Um, first off, the the title, if anybody wants to look it up, is Impaired Thiamine and Metabolism and Amyotrophic Lateral Sclerosis, and it's Potential Treatment with Benfotiamine, a Case Report and Review of the Literature. No, i Google um, your name, Dr. Shot, Richard Mann. Uh, yeah, M-A-N-N, Dr. Richard and, Mann. And then
0: Benfotiamine, a keyword, and then maybe throw in ALS, they would maybe find their way to the article.
1: Yes, I think so. Okay. It's, it's on PubMed. Okay. which is the uh, the most uh, commonly used source of medical publications.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so anybody who's interested, especially anybody in the field of neurology who wants to read it, it's well-documented, I believe, and it's got uh, significant the references of them. I'm happy to speak to anybody about it. Um, and uh, it, it came out six weeks ago, and... Uh, they they publish the metrics, and it seems as though over two thousand people have uh, read the article. So I'm very very happy about that. And every um, everybody who reads it um, has the opportunity to speak about it and then put that right. I tell you, the, it's not
0: light like bedtime reading. You know, it's uh, it's very uh, you know it's it's full of uh, scientific jargon. And it is a very sophisticated analysis of the molecular biology, biochemistry associated with, uh, and physiology associated with uh, thymine metabolism. So you know, kudos to you. And uh, how many references were there? I mean, I I wanted to print the whole thing, but I I didn't want to print five pages of references. <laughs> well,
1: you're 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 very Dr. Hoffman. Let me make sure I say this. You're very kind. Thank you so much. Um, that's a very kind thing for you to say. We had 29 references. Quite frankly, I could have had a lot more, but um, I stopped at, at 29. The thing that I think that is significant here is that it, there's a lot of evidence or it's suspicion that, that there's this focal vitamin B1 deficiency in certain neurons in the brain. And if that's the case, it's a, it's a... It's a a variant of berry, berry in certain neurons, and those neurons wouldn't work properly because they wouldn't produce enough ATP because they don't have the ability for, with respect to the cycles that produce ATP to work properly because of impaired vitamin B1 availability or metabolism. And this very well may be something that might help people with some of these horrible diseases. Okay, now sh- short of that,
0: uh, you know, I'm, can I ask you a personal question? You know, I, I don't want to sure. uh, uh, pin you down, but what decade of life are you in? I am in my eighth decade. I've just begun my eighth decade of life. I'm 70. Uh, what decade of life are you in?
1: I've got you by two years, my friend.
0: Okay, so uh, now I'm do, do you value your, your, uh, your cognitive health? Loaded question.
1: I value every aspect of my health, Dr. Hoffman. Okay. But my cognition is very, very important.
0: Okay. So
1: and I've been taking. I've been taking.
0: That's where uh, that's where I'm going with this. Is is yeah. is it a reasonable notion that you know, short of these dread diseases, you know, dementia, ALS, Parkinson's disease, these movement disorders, uh, you know, peripheral neuropathy, that there may be a place for you know, optimization. Uh, because we all, you know, as we age, we do suffer from progressive uh, memory deficits, some degree of decrease in movement, balance, and various aspects of brain function. Is it, mm-hmm. you know, based on your research on on thiamine, could thiamine give people a bit of a, a hedge against the decline?
1: There was a study, a study done out of China, which correlated. Um, um, a, um, a form of thiamine, thiamine diphosphate or pyrophosphate mm-hmm. the blood with uh, cognitive ability in non-demented elderly mm, okay so people who didn't have any dementia issues that would be us they took a look at the <laughs> level they took a, they took a look at the level of thiamine, a certain type of thiamine in their blood and correlated it with their cognition and showed a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that just makes sense because thyme makes nerves work better, mm-hmm. um, from what I can see. So uh, yes, I think it's the case. It, no one's done a study other than the one that I just quoted to you out of China, but I, my personal opinion is that. I get people calling me all the time saying that they were taking this for numbness in their feeding, and you know they can figure out the 20% on the check a lot better than they used to. Mm-hmm. I, I get this anecdotally, and, and I, I think that's probably very valid. I think you were right on when you, when you suggested that, um, although the only study that has that, that looked at that, is a Chinese study. We need more studies on this.
0: Yeah, it's, it's harder to study because I think the differences would be more subtle. Uh, and people would have to be followed for many, many years with a comparison group, you know, like, because this is not something that necessarily works overnight. You might have to take the supplement for a longer period of time to uh, maintain uh, cognitive health. Um, OK, so uh, let's see. I wanted to ask you. Oh, yeah. Um, who might be at greater risk for thiamine deficiency? Now, we mentioned alcoholics. Do you think, like, ordinary people who have a, you know, come home, have a cocktail, maybe have wine or beer with dinner, that even at the moderate levels of alcohol intake, that they might have somewhat of a compromised uh, thiamine status?
1: Well, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip on this, yeah. but I think not. I, I think you have to take so much thiamine that you, I'm sorry, so much alcohol that you damage the apparatus okay. in your gut, Okay. And it causes you to absorb it, or it makes you to the point where you have nutritional issues you don't care about eating. The okay. people who are well-known to be vitamin B1 deficient is, are diabetics. Yeah, which diabetics, is so uh, there and, you know, there was a, not
0: necessarily full-blown diabetics. They may have metabolic syndrome. They may have a borderline blood sugar, and that may take a toll on thiamine metabolism.
1: They, uh, an English group showed a while back, maybe... 15 years ago that um, diabetes damages the kidneys ability to maintain thiamine and you urinate out your thiamine they're urinating out like 20 fold the thiamine of non-diabetics and um, the blood levels in in the diabetics also was down uh, down 75 percent and so that's fairly well documented i think it may turn out that we're going to find that's the case with pre-diabetics as well Because, from a a neuropathy perspective, the numbers are much, much higher than anybody ever suspected. You're looking at like 18% of pre diabetics having peripheral neuropathy, and very few people know anything about that. Mm -hmm. Elderly in general tend to be vitamin B1 deficient as well, probably a combination of absorption issues and, and urinating it out. People who are on water pills. When they urinate excessively to control their their blood pressure, they tend to be a uh, vitamin yeah. B one deficient as well. There are Especially, other I think
0: the, uh, Lasix or furosemide is uh, notorious yeah. for lowering uh, thiamine levels. That's a powerful
1: yeah. Uh, diuretic.
0: Yeah, good
1: point. Yeah, I think it's a loop diuretic. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I think that is the case. Um, but you know, one of the things that we found is many people have. Complains of numbness, tingling, burning, shooting in their feet and legs, and they, there's no ideology for it. And and a lot of physicians just say, well, why don't you try yep. this and let's see if it works. And if it works, then you can go back and say, well, you were in need of more vitamin B1. Mm-hmm. So um, and since it's so um, safe, it's not a bad strategy.
0: Absolutely, uh, uh, you know, people have uh, a lot of people have what's called idiopathic. Uh, peripheral neuropathy. In other words, we, we're idiots. We can't figure out why you have it. Uh, but, Forty.
1: You know, 40 excuse me. Forty percent. Forty percent. Forty percent. I'm sorry, doctor. of you. Yeah, Please ahead. forgive me. Go
0: ahead.
1: Forty percent of people with idiopathic peripheral neuropathy are pre-diabetics. Uh-huh. there you go. And and ninety percent of people who are pre-diabetics don't know about it. Yeah. And the vast majority of physicians who treat these people. Have no idea that prediabetes gives you predisposition towards
0: neuropathy. Yeah. Before the emergence of full blown diabetes, you may actually have some neuropathy, which is a little known fact. Um, so, let, let me also talk a little bit about you know a comprehensive strategy for uh, nerve pain that I sometimes use. I, I'm a big believer in benfotiamine. Uh, I like the Zogre product, but I also team it with uh, vitamin B12 preferably uh, hydroxycobalamin or be- better yet methylcobalamin because B12 deficiency is often implicated, even borderline B12 deficiency in peripheral neuropathy. Also, I like to use acetyl L-carnitine and alpha-lipoic acid. Are you, do you use a, a combo strategy with your patients sometimes?
1: Well, well, the, the Zobria product has Benfotene and methylcobalamin. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I agree with you completely. Um, the literature on alpha-lipoic acid suggests 600 milligrams a day, and you'll get some results in three to six months. When I pra- when I was practicing uh, more, uh, well, I, I, I don't practice at this point anymore. I just lecture and, mm-hmm. and run the company. But when I was practicing, I really did not get any good results mm-hmm. with respect to uh, um, alpha-lipoic acid. Although and, and you saw a lot of and,
0: the foot problems, so yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I, was, I was specializing in, in neuropathy, and or oh, Cilacarnith you have to take very large doses, and I wasn't convinced that I saw any results. Mm-hmm. You got to remember that when I was using Benfotimi, we were getting significant results right away, mm-hmm. and um, that's very that's very tough to uh, to uh, to do. Um, unless so it was among the nutrients you had tried. It
0: was a standout, is what you're saying.
1: Well, it was more than a standout. It was it worked. Yeah, um, it, it, it worked significantly. But certainly, there's there can be well. There's probably no harm in taking level carnitine at the right doses and uh, alpha lipoic acid at the right doses. With alpha lipoic acid, you have to be careful because it's a uh, when it gets into the stomach, it, it chelates yeah. metals. So you need an empty stomach, which makes a little more. Um, um, a greater propensity to give you irritability yeah. in the stomach because we talking a about an acid.
0: It is caustic indeed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and acetyl-acarnitine you have to take, I think, one or two grams a day. It's a lot, it's a, you need a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: And that can be pricey. Okay, great stuff. Do, do you want to add anything? Uh, you know, Let's mention again uh, a source, You know, if people want to find out about you. Uh, you have a bio at uh, Zobria.com slash about us. Uh, Zobria.com is a place to find out about benfotiamine. Um, Any other resources we should know about? Of course, your paper, uh, which is in a journal called Cure Us, or Curious, spelled C-U-R-E-U-S. And just Google Cure, Cure Us, Dr. Richard Mann, Benfotiamine, maybe throw in ALS, because that's the subject of the paper, and I think you'll find it if you want to take a look at it, if you want to show it to your health practitioner, if you, I mean, we have a lot of health practitioners out there and I think uh, it's worthwhile for health practitioners to be aware of this, of the potential of this nutrient. So I really want to thank you for, uh, you know, all the great work you're doing and for uh, this exciting new uh, update on the potential of Benfo team. And that's why we invited you back because there is uh, news you can use about this product.
1: Well, 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 thank you so much. You're you're a kind uh, gentleman. I appreciate very much your interviewing me. I just want to make sure that everybody understands if you've got any significant neurological diseases, you you need to speak to your physician, and um, you should uh, not take anything that we said as a a treatment, etc. That's not the point. We're merely discussing the science here, and um, hopefully we'll get some great studies on this and be able to... uh, further our knowledge with respect to vitamin B1 deficiency and neurological diseases.
0: Yeah, at least, you know, let's stimulate a discussion because uh, there's uh, not a lot to lose and there's potentially a lot to gain for a lot of people suffering from uh, really challenging conditions. So thanks again for joining us, uh, Dr. Richard Mann. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Dr. Hoffman.
0: I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast.